This is BFWB, Booze and Facts with Blacks, where we sip as we flip some topics on their heads to expose the black perspective. Be warned, the more we sip, we may let slip some naughty words. This isn't for kids, neither is alcohol. So if you're not 21, we probably aren't the right podcast for you. Are you ready? Come on in. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, well, we went to school at different times. Yes. And when I went to school, well, one, people just told us to go where you're going to have the best experience, where you're going to grow as a person, where you'll have connections, and where you will finish. It is much more important to have that degree than it is to major in something specifically. You know, if you wanted to be a doctor, well, then, of course, you had to not necessarily be pre-med, but you had to take all the prerequisites. If you wanted to be an engineer, well, that was something else. But if you wanted to be a lawyer, if you wanted to go into banking, the the idea was that you go and you get a good, well-rounded education. If their specialty classes, take them as electives. We'll go where you're going to be a well-rounded whole human being when you come out. And the most important thing was that you finish. And so, like, I know that that idea and that rhetoric changed not too long after I graduated, but there are a whole generation of people around my age for whom that was true. And you could major in music or you could major in theater, you could major in something that you really, really enjoyed. And then after that, go get a career in something else. If you were going to go to grad school anyway, well, then fine, you could go to grad school after that, after you spent four years, like, building yourself up as a person. Um, So... (laughs) So is that uh, yeah. why you then went on to get your master's or is it? No. Okay. I mean, well, when I went to school, I went to school as piano performance, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, and um, you have to take an elective that's a fine arts elective that's not your major. So that's how I took stagecraft. And I was like, wait a minute, right? I'm a theater snob. I love theater. Why don't I just do this? So I did and I stage managed the first musical they'd done in a couple years and um, and people really gave me a hard time about being a theater major, <clears throat> my peers, like as much as people were like, go just do whatever people understood a music major. People were like, well, how are you going to work with a theater major? And I was like, well, I will show you. <laughs> and that's how I got. That's yeah, no, weird. It's black people. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and not just black people, it's, like upwardly mobile to whom much is given, much is expected black people. Okay. To say like, I don't know how much your family had to sacrifice for you to be sitting here right now. But if my family sacrificed like that and I studied something frivolous like theater, then I, you know, they would be like, why did I waste my time and energy? And of course, right. People don't know my story that I've been seeing Broadway shows since I was four, that that's what my parents did. And like, to me, my parents who thought that I was, I don't want to say they thought I was a complete fuck up, but they were just like, just please graduate. I don't care. <laughs> like, what just get out. You want to study psychology? It doesn't matter. Just finish. If theater is going to make you finish, then just do. <laughs> just take theater. So, yeah, right. And so, so, okay, that's what I did. And I did a whole bunch of internships back when People weren't really doing internships. Good for you. Uh huh. It was kind of the genesis of the internet, and I had to fight the administration to get the time off from school to do them, and to also get some credit for it. Right? Can you imagine being a theater student and working on Broadway and not getting a single credit for doing that? 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Right. And so it's just like, are you kidding me? You know, and I try to like pave the way, pave the way for AUC students to be able to go work at Disney and, pay, you know, what? And Disney parks, like whatever. But I was like, I will be employed. This will be my career. It is not going to be a shock to anyone. <laughs> like that's, that's how I got into it. And so I was like, if these people don't know, well, I did a semester at Disney. Mm-hmm. This is before I got into entertainment. Uh, and I realized at that point that there were people who had so many more resources than I had at my school that I was going to have to go after them myself. And so it's like, okay, it's, this is great. I'm, I would not trade my Spelman experience for anything. I would not go to NYU Tisch. I would not go to Northwestern instead of going to Spelman. I would never trade that. My life is so much better for it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I got to supplement this some kind of way. Supplement, <laughs> and and so I had to be a go getter. You know, I didn't know about company management until I interviewed for a company management internship. I mean, I knew about it from class, but I didn't know what it meant to be one in commercial theater. It was something that I had to seek out myself. And the person who initially taught me about company management, who is a professor at um, FAMU right now, you know, she she had been a company manager, and other. Teachers in my school had been company managers. They had done it. Mm-hmm. Okay. They had done it in Alliance. You know, they had done it in regional theaters, places where you get real paychecks. They're not paying you one hundred fifty dollars a week. They're oh. paying a real salary, but it is a completely different animal than commercial theater. So, I mean, it's there's something about proximity and knowing. And then the other part, I didn't mean to go on about that for so long. No, that's it's interesting. The other part of that, though, is that there are so few company management jobs. There are so many, much fewer, far fewer of them than stage management jobs even. And there was a period in time where it was just such a closed thing. And if you think about what a company manager does is that they are the people who are managing the show's resources on a day, daily, daily basis. They're managing the human resources and the humans who come to work. They're managing the financial resources, making sure the bills are paid, the bonds are paid, that the contracts are being followed, that the contracts are signed, and that we have contracts. The marketing assets, they are managing all of the resources. So if you have a $15 million musical, you are not necessarily, unless you want to blow them, you're not necessarily going to hand over your $15 million asset to somebody who's just off the street. You might let them come in and sing and dance. You might let them come in and put some props around, right? But you're not necessarily going to trust the daily production to someone you don't know. So as we talk about like equity and diversity and all these people who are like, I have never had a black company manager. It's like, yes. And yes, right? Yes, there should be more diversity. But so much of it is about trust. And there's a larger discussion to be had about who you trust and why. But I think one of the reasons why so many people don't know about the job and know about exactly what it is in commercial theater and that you can make a living wage doing it in commercial theater is because there aren't that many spots. There's maybe 40 a season, 40 to 45 a season on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's a lot of trust and responsibility 
between, you know, you could really screw over a general manager if you took off with their files. You could really screw over a producer because you are the one who controls the checkbook. So, so easily. And there are people who have, or, or there are people who, and we know this, we've seen this firsthand. There are people who have, who are company managers who develop relationships with the producers and then end up stealing the show from the general manager. <laughs> and so every time another general manager or producer wants me to do something to screw over another general manager, I refuse to do it. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even matter how shitty or awful the general manager has been to me. The last thing I want as one of the few black company managers in Atham right now, I would not like to have a reputation as somebody who is untrustworthy because people are making a giant leap by trusting a black woman in the first place. It's definitely a small business. Like all of theater is such a small business. Each show is its own small entity. Oh God, I need a, I need a stronger drink after all that. I know. My cup is empty. (laughs) Get a refill. I'm using an insulated cup so I can put more in it. Oh my gosh. An insulated wine cup? Okay. You said an insulated wine cup? Yeah. I have a couple of these. I mean, I bought one and then people keep giving them as gifts because I guess they know me. Wait a minute. Did you travel there with your own cups? Yes, I did. <laughs> but you forget that I just came off tour. I have all the, I have a bag that says food and wine and I put my travel a tumbler and a wine glass <laughs> <laughs> and vacuum sealer for the bottles. Black and bougie at its finest. Yes. <laughs> Just please tell me you did not take the ice maker. I did not take the ice maker. Okay. All right. We're good. (laughs) If I have to, I mean, I drove down, so if I have to fly back, I can't, I don't know what I would do. True. True story. When I was on tour, the ice maker traveled in my work box. (laughs) I I didn't actually. (laughs) Next to the paper shredder and the printer, I didn't actually have to move that myself. Uh, All necessities. I'm going to pivot to a more fun topic, though. Um, you mentioned your first production that you saw was Barnum. Mine was Rent. In, uh, in 1999? Mm-hmm. Sounds right. That would have been the height oh. of the hysteria. No, 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 because it was after that. Um, I want to say 2001. Yes, it was 2001. And, oh God, it was amazing. That show changed my life, not just because of the subject matter and what I was going through in high school at that time, but to see the level of artistry that was happening on stage. Even to the shows that I have seen recently, 
there is a different theater is handled completely different now than it was even 10 years ago. Like there is a caliber of production value that I feel like we've lost. Like I was in tears when I saw Rent and even other productions. At that time I'd seen Rent, I'd seen Avenue Q. I saw, did I see Beauty and the Beast? No, I didn't see Beauty and the Beast. There's another. I'd seen a few, oh, I'd see uh, La Casa Falls. And it was the one that they said that no one liked. Like it was the one that apparently didn't last long, but it was great. It was in, in the Hilton Theater. And all the shows I'd seen at that time, I thought were amazing. Fast forward to when I came back after college. And the first shows I had been started seeing, because after that it was, there was Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, just starting on that. Like, it's like, I was, I, well, I can't even think off the top of my head, but the shows around that time, I was like, what is happening? What's going on? Well, I would, I will say this. I would, I would say that it's been 15, 15 years mm-hmm. since the artistry has changed. Yes. And I think, and I, I'm feeling that in this moment of coronavirus, that we're going to have another change in the landscape of theater because sure. the way that I remember it is that Theater was a New Yorker thing, was for New York City and New York City residents like my parents. And there are people who would come as tourists and see certain things. Mm-hmm. They would come in and see Les Mis. They would see Cats. They would see Chicago. They would see Mamma Mia. And the rest of the shows oh. were for New Yorkers. And those shows, if they ran for two or three years, that was something spectacular you know, something to be celebrated. And I feel like now a two-year run, people are like, mm, well, that's too bad. You know, when we, we Broadway is a real estate game. So yeah. if every single is going to run for five to seven years, that means that every single year, all these shows, the glut of shows is just fighting for like five slots. So but I think what changed was 9-11. And after 9-11 happened and people stopped wanting to gather, 2001, people stopped wanting to gather and wanting to come to the city. The industry went on this whole entire campaign to get people back to the theater. And that is really when they started to chase tourist dollars. And so the product went from being New York focused. Like, remember the producers? That might be before you were like really into it. But the producers, I want to, what was that? 2001 producers open? 2000? It was 2001 Tonys. And it was like the hottest ticket in town. Oh, you couldn't get, you couldn't get a seat to see the producers. Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. But when it went on tour, like nobody really liked it that much. But it was a New York show. It was a show about Broadway. It was a show about New Yorkers. And it was so much inside baseball humor. Also, it was, it was a New York... What'd you say? Also, it was Nathan Lane. 
Nathan Lane didn't tour. No, I know, but the show in its of itself is good. It's a Mel Brooks movie. It's good. It's funny. <laughs> I don't. Also, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in the tri-state area. My parents are New Yorkers, so I w- would have an appreciation for the show, for the jokes, for the references that somebody from out of town doesn't have. Right? Okay. It was a I, show about. I get that. Like I, like I, I get the jokes and all that stuff. Like for me, my I think my level of comedy is a little different. And so while I do get the jokes and the references, I'm just like, meh. Like the whole um, Hitler section. Like, while the springtime for Hitler. While I think it was funny, about halfway through the dancing section, I was like, okay, can this end now, please? <laughs> like, it's oh, going a little too long. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I loved listening to it on the cast album before I even saw the show. I loved it in the show. I love the weird section. Like there were certain parts like I love, but overall, I was like, uh. <laughs> oh, Johnson <laughs> Chaperone. Johnson Chaperone was another one I saw at the time, which I th- you hated it. I loved it. I loved Johnson Chaperone. But that's well, so that's what I'm saying. Because Drowsy Chaperone was a couple years after that. So my point really was that what people were producing as theater, what they were putting their money behind went from things New Yorkers want to see to things people from out of town want to see. And so it was not trying to sustain and yes, I'm going to have a new show in and I have another one on the heels. And when this show moves out, my next show is moving in. That all went away after 2001, after 9-11 happened. And so that's when we started seeing more and more movies being turned into musicals, more and more jukebox musicals. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So that, yes, you would feel like if you were somebody who liked like the theater in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, well, not the 80s, mid-80s, <laughs> 90s. <laughs> there were good things. But, you know, if you're somebody who's like, oh my gosh, I love the artistry. I love that Broadway takes risks and that they are on the forefront of artistry in theater. Like that's where you go to see cutting edge theater from. That's where you go to see commercial things. And I, if I want to see art, I'm going to go see something at the Humana Festival or I'm going to go see something at the Alliance or at the Guthrie, right? It went from, so you go those places or to, I don't know, you go those places to see art or to the Atlantic. You go those places to see art and then you come to Broadway to see commerce. And I think that the storytelling the artistry, the incubation period of really developing new stories and developing new storytellers and musical theater artists went by the wayside when we wanted to attract tourist dollars instead of a artist community. And I think now with the pandemic and people are more cautious about traveling, I'm hoping that we go back to days where we have lots of rents and one out of Lion King and Mamma Mia to having mostly rents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like all oh, the tourists are going to love it. I mean, I can't tell you how many offices I've worked in where that was the primary focus. Oh, no. I, I totally, like, wait, after you said that, I get that. Like, I didn't really think about it and how. September 11th really affected it, which totally makes sense. 
Um, but recently, what was the most recent show that you've seen that you haven't been working on that you were impressed by, that you thought had a really good level of artistry? I mean, I, well, I was on tour for so long, so I didn't see that. I haven't seen that much. I mean, uh, in the last like five years. I mean, here are some shows in the last five years that have moved me. I was completely obsessed with this revival of West Side Story. I and I, <laughs> I had problems. I had a lot of problems with it. Like, so let's not get it twisted. Like, I definitely had some issues with the storytelling, with the, the way the people of color were featured and I had problems with the fact that somebody who wasn't Puerto Rican or black was trying to reframe the story as just a plain immigrant story, like color didn't play a part in it at all. It's like, oh yeah, this would be somebody's telling of it when they don't really get the nuances of race from either side. That's another show that's very, very city specific because that is... A history that is <laughs> very intricate to the Lincoln City area and to the city in general. But continue. Exactly. And, and that was that was the other thing, right? Like they were supposed to be in the Lincoln Center area, but there were all these shots of Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I mean, I had problem. I had problems with the the show, but I was also there's something so captivating about it. Like I was obsessed with it and obsessed with the voices and not the, and I didn't love them all. I mean, it was just so complicated and messy, but I was obsessed with the show. Did I see it three times? Maybe I did. Three? Uh, and before that, <laughs> I see that off-Broadway production of Little Shop of Horrors. Um, with Jonathan Groff. And I loved that too. I loved the updated orchestrations. I did not love the updated vocal, all, all of the updated vocal arrangements. Mm-hmm. I thought that some of those were poor choices, but I did love the updated orchestrations and I loved, I loved that it was in such an intimate setting. I felt like that is where it was meant to be. Yeah, it's a book. I, I toured it, and so we played huge 2,500-seat venues, and the show was way too small for that situation. I mean, we it toured for a long time, so maybe not way too small, but I don't think that the large venues served the story well. And so it was great to see it in such a small, intimate space. I got spit on by Jonathan Groff. Yum. Um, I'm like, but also, yes. Um, I know, and I thought that that was really like, okay, this is a small, because you know, when you worked off Broadway so long, there, I did that. Well, yes, because nobody would give me a job on Broadway, but also because I, I like the creative process of like down and dirty and creating the story and being intimate and having musicians. There's something about the grit of off Broadway commercial off-Broadway in particular that I really kind of loved and little that production of Little Shop really kind of served that. But it was a good production. You know, we had Christian Borrell who was like, ooh, he's got such a nice voice. That was the next production I was supposed to see. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Oh my gosh, it was so good. My ticket, my tickets for Jeremy Jordan were right there. <laughs> that was an expensive ticket too. I Girl. Mean, but who you want to complain about Broadway, but God. And I got spit on. I mean, I would pay to get spit on by Jonathan Groff. But you, <laughs> you and I are very different. <laughs> what about you? What's the last thing you've seen in the last five years that's really... Oh, God. The last thing I think I saw was that one with Patti LuPone, the lipstick one. Um, oh, you yeah. like that? No, I didn't like that. Um, I'm trying to think of something that I liked. <laughs> I can't even really... I haven't been in love with anything recently. The, the last thing I saw that I think I really enjoyed and didn't fall asleep on, and they were around the same time, so it was The Color Purple with Cynthia Rebo and My God. Newsies. Which is crypto oh. as fuck, but I I did enjoy it because I saw before anyone switched out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but nothing any recent more recent than that. Yeah, oh my gosh, that color purple production. How many times did I see that? Four times. Oh, I used to go to the box office, buy my standing room ticket, and say I'll be late. And then I would go cover my show, sign the box office statement, and run down to the theater, sneak in the back. (laughs) (laughs) I love that production. (laughs) I, you know, like, very race. I could not emotionally take seeing that more than. Twice. I couldn't. I don't see how you did that. Because like after one, I was like, I'm depleted. <laughs> I cried so much. <laughs> like, mm-mm. did you get this what, that's what the theater is for? What? Did you get to see Jennifer Holiday in it or no? Good. Okay. I saw everybody. <laughs> how did Jennifer Hudson do? Oh, you know, I love Jennifer Hudson. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan of her since she was on American Idol and what was that, 2004? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Hudson has a beautiful voice. Sporting mm-hmm. artist. She, you know, I never really want to hear dialogue come out of her mouth, but uh. the singing is just out of this world. (laughs) And, you know, I really, and I didn't, I've never worked in that that office, so I don't know this for sure, but I really appreciated their strategy because Jennifer Hudson does The Color Purple produced by Oprah Winfrey is something that lots of people can get behind. We're like, why don't the black come, blah, blah, blah. It's like, Black people came and saw the color purple. You didn't need to hire a special communication specialist. You just needed to put Jennifer Hudson and Oprah Winfrey on that poster or on that ad, and everybody bought tickets. Who did that one? Uh, uh, no, Oprah too, Whoopi too, all of them. Okay. 
Because Whoopi wasn't involved in the first one, just the second one, right? Just the second Okay. Yes. Okay. I feel like Whoopi was one of the like angel producers who came in and finished the capitalization so they could open. But that my memory might be foggy on that one. But anyway, <clears throat> but in, I, everybody I know, like my non-theater people, my friends and family, my family friends, people I went to school, everybody saw Color Purple and I, I didn't have to be like, oh my God, you guys, it's so amazing. You should see it. No, everybody was going to see it anyway. And that's because of Jennifer Hudson. You know, and people went to see it because of Jennifer Hudson and they stayed because of Cynthia Erivo. Mm-hmm. And so I have no, you know, problems with that at all. I do think it's interesting that Heather Headley took over the role right as Tony voting started. Oh, no. I When that happened, I was like, ah, interesting. Right. And I think that that was six months in. Like, if she, if Jennifer Hudson was on a six-month contract, her contract would have been up. I mean, and I think that that's an interesting time. And I also think that it's interesting because I, we've had this discussion before. As much as I love Heather Headley, I think that Jennifer Hudson is a recording, a stronger recording artist. Oh, yeah. So as much as I appreciated Heather Headley's um, full, well-rounded performance, a complete, well-rounded, well-acted, well-sung performance on that cast album, Every time Jennifer Hudson starts to sing, I am like, whoo, yes. Yes, they totally had her on there for the album. They totally had her on there, which was a, a great move. And then Heather Headley, to, to elevate the performance the way she did, you know, when the Tony voters came in to vote, I, you know, I was also on another revival that season. And when Color Purple won, even though I was at the Tony party, I cheered. <laughs> No, and I was like, sorry. Sorry, folks. They were like, note to self. Can we stick up? (laughs) No, but someone did this. It was good, wasn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well done. It was well done. It was well directed. It was well acted. It was well sung. All of those voices. You're like, oh, Jennifer Hudson's amazing. But the rest of that cast, they were all they were all amazing. Wow. They had one of the strongest ensembles that I've ever seen. I have ever seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Danielle Brooks held her own. Oh, Danielle. You know? She made me cry. I'm not a crier for anyone that's listening right now. I am not a crier. And so for me to cry through any show, there's really only been two. Rent and um, Color Purple. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, I, yes. I, everyone was like, I can't get tickets to Hamilton. What can I see? The Color Purple, you will thank me. I don't see Hamilton. Jeez. You saw Hamilton. Did I ask you what you thought of it? Oh, I liked it. Yeah. I did. I really, mm-hmm. I liked it. And I know, you know, people have very strong opinions about it. Mm-hmm. And when a show is that much hype, you know, it could, it, it's a hit or miss. Yes. But I was like, oh no. I, yeah. Just like, oh no, this is as good as everyone says. But you saw it early, right? I did see it early. Not early, early, but like that first year. Was Jonathan Groff in it? When you saw yes. it? Oh, 
it. <laughs> okay. It, it was. It was better than fine. It was good. It the choreography was good at the time. I when it won for best choreography, I was a little bit like mm, that should have gone to Shuffle Along. Definitely. Because Shuffle Along's choreography, that tapping, that just what they did, what Savion Glover did with the dance and that show was out of this world. And the way that it was like executed was out of this world. It was like nothing else. That was a disappointment. Mm-mm. The show I was a disappointment. Um, but when oh, I, I... I meant the Tony selection. <laughs> <laughs> But when I saw Hamilton, I saw Hamilton again in February. And when I saw it that time, and I really saw how, you know, it was beyond just just taking it all in because I'd seen it already. I really saw how the dancing and choreography was integral, integral to the storytelling and how it really shaped the storytelling. So I could see where, in a way that I couldn't see in 2016, I could see where you would say this is worth rewarding. Because it's a show that's already elevated above Shuffle Alone. But it is also, it's not just like great dancing, it is great storytelling. So I, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Eh. <laughs> you know my... I, I so my issues with Hamilton is yes, not it's not the stagecraft. Like separately, yes, the movement and choreography, good. The most of the performances were good. Um, you know, I've got some very strong opinions on some of them. Um I'm not the biggest hip hop fan. Okay. So Hip hop light though, but keep going. Yeah, no, no, that so like, and the hip hop that I do like is pretty hard. Like, it's not. I don't yeah. get the whole mumble rap or like the speak singing. I that's not my thing. Like, if you're gonna rap, go in. Um, Busta. Okay, yeah. that, that's that's my style. So, <laughs> so when I was watching it, and I didn't get to see live because obviously you couldn't get a good ticket for the first while. And I didn't really want to see this most recent because from what I heard, it's pretty it hasn't been upheld to what it was. So if I want to see it, I'll watch it on Disney Plus with the original cast, right? Um, so from what I saw, I'd already heard the album and I wasn't impressed. But from watching it, I felt like they needed more singing. They needed a connection between the two worlds. Because really, there are only two singing roles. And that was the sisters. Three. Am I right? Well, you know, the third one wasn't really. (laughs) She's the one who plays the harlot in the second act. But she doesn't, does she sing though? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, totally missed that. What's that? Um, say no to this. Is her song? Is Ann Peggy's oh, song? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so they're they're really the only ones that sing. Everyone else is rapping. And the, 
And oh well, you know I'm in love with Jonathan Groff, so there's no, that was perfect. And Aaron Burr sings too. He wasn't rap singing. No, he sings sings. Mm. He sings, "Dear Theodore." <laughs> Shit! Why do I know this much about Hamilton? Well, I mean, you saw it a lot. I've and seen it a lot, and you have that mind. I don't hold on to stuff that like that. So it's not bad. Like Dear Theodosia, he sings. Uh, Rumor it happens is a sing a song oh, yeah. through the song. He sings. There's another one that I'm forgetting. There's another one I'm forgetting. And can George sings. Yeah, Jonathan Groff. Like I, I thought he was perfect. George, I mean, sorry, George Washington sings. Oh, I didn't like the casting of George Washington. So. No, I like Chris Jackson. What I mean by casting, I don't. So while while they had a colorblind casting, I feel like historically there are certain roles that should have been held constant. George Washington was one of them. Yeah, I don't think I need to say more on that. <laughs> and. I even had a discussion with one of my friends because she's like all into Hamilton. Mm-hmm. She's like, what were your problems? And I was like, well, historically, they either left out a few key things or just kind of mulled over some things to kind of make it more palpable. And I wasn't okay with that. Wasn't okay mm-hmm. with that. Like, I hear you. They didn't bring up like how George Washington completely used Hamilton. They didn't bring up like uh, uh, the love affair between Hamilton and his friend. They didn't bring up a whole lot of shit that I thought was important or that would have if you're gonna if you're gonna make this show about like oh we're including everybody and this is like you know, non-white, non—you know—make it that, like, include that. And I don't think I don't think those elements were ever a part of the script. Like, even while they were working it, I don't think those elements were ever a part of it. And so that I had some issues with that. So, I mean, I didn't need him. I mean, I don't know. This is like just a dumb musical. I didn't need it to be those things. But here's the thing, which is this is what's so interesting about this conversation is because my mother. Sorry, my mother is absolutely obsessed with Hamilton now that it's on Disney Plus. And when it first came out on Disney Plus, she watched it on repeat. She watched it all day. She would come to work, and the first thing she would do is put it on. What? And she liked, yes. So sometimes she'd watch the whole thing. Sometimes she would just watch select numbers. She would watch um, David Diggs come out and say, What did I miss? And he's <laughs> cute. Yeah, I mean, she just every head cock and eye look and, you know, and she all she did wanted to do was talk about it. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't. Mom, I can't do this with you. You're like, I already so, went through this. <laughs> and she, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I'm always like, you know, Hamilton hysteria lasted for years and years and years. And I feel like I participated in it too. And so, you know, in every office, people were listening to the Hamilton cast album and people were saying work and people were saying, that, you know, I don't know, 
got to get your right hand back. I don't know, whatever. They were quoting lines from the show all day, every day. And it was like constant. It was nonstop. And so there's a part of me that's had appreciated the silence like that. All of that has kind of gone away. I can't tell you when the last time was I listened to the cast album. I mean, for my mother to be back in it, like, which feels to me like three and a half, four years after the fact is like, oh, 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 we're doing this now. And she's like, have you seen the part where he jumps off the table? Do you notice that? Have you seen the part? I mean, you know, and she's somebody who can get obsessed with numbers and things and Tony Awards numbers and watch them over and over again. But for it to be a whole entire musical, I'm like, whoa. I, she's like, well, I didn't have the good fortune of going to see it. I was like, well, I mean, okay, like enjoy it, but I, 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 can't do, I can't do this with you. And I was like, I don't know if it's because I saw it live. And so to me, it's not to analyze every single look every single nuance because that's not how you appreciate a live performance. Right. So it's like I mean, this rehashing of it is like ruining my appreciation for it. Anyway, sorry. No, I, I like, I told so it's so funny for me to be on the other side of like, no, no, actually I like it. Up. Like, I mean, it's just a show. Oh no, but that's how, that's how histor- historical shows get me, though, because I know so much about it already. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, something in this isn't adding up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of like, uh, I could do without it. Yeah, I know. I hear you. I don't, also, I'm not a fan of Lin-Manuel, so there's mm-hmm. that. I know so many people say that, though, yeah, but my favorite show was in the Heights. <laughs> Which I I mean, I'm, I never saw In the Heights, so I can't yeah. comment. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, people like him. Well, Hamilton was good, but I really like In the Heights. In the Heights was definitely better than Hamilton. I will say that. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I didn't see it. Mm. <laughs> wow. Woo, we talked about theater for a long time. How long have we been talking? Oh, I don't know, like an hour and a half. Oh, not bad at all. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the only thing we didn't talk about is how it's racist. Like, I, I, I've been through all of my theaters. <laughs> yeah, I just gave a look. Do it. That look. <laughs> let's, let's not talk. About, I mean, you never. No, did. no, I don't have the energy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that you never did tell me how the Antonio's were. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were good. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was very proud of the people who decided to. Oops. I, I was very proud of the people who decided to put that on, the effort that they put into it, the performers, the fact that they were centering artists of color. Like, I thought all of that, all of that was great. I did. Okay. I just don't, I'm like, I just don't know why we need to do this. Like we, but we could just, we could just honor each other. We could just honor each other. Why does it have to be an award show? Why does it have to be any of those things? Why does it have to be the Black Tonys? It doesn't, you know, there are lots of people out here who are doing good work, who 
you're in a principal role and don't want to go back to the ensemble, maybe it's been a few years since you've done a show and you've done like honor that. Mm-hmm. But as we started, like I'm having feelings about the Tony Awards. <laughs> you know, hard feelings. And not because, and it's not because my, I think my show would have been nominated. It is just because like what a horrible, awful year. And the uncertain, the uncertainty and all of those people who work so hard for those productions that got up. It really, we didn't, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, I did say this. I was like, it just feels like the people who put on Tina were like, we spent all this money knowing that we were going to do a Tony Awards performance. And that's how we were going to get our audiences <laughs> to buy tickets. <laughs> so we need this to happen. Yeah. I was going to buy a ticket for Tina, though. Hmm. Oh yes, but you did. You did. Um, and I, I, I know it's a jukebox, so there's a lot to be left. Um, it the book, the book. I, it's always the book. It is always the book. (laughs) The book book is not always this not great. Um, honey, I'm sorry. Donna Summer, The Bodyguard, every book, um, every jukebox musical that I've seen in the last several years has had a trash book. Okay. <laughs> but Donna, the Donna Summer musical wasn't the talk of the town ever. <laughs> True. I will give you that. Number two, the Donna Summer musical book, not great. <laughs> not this bad. Are you serious? It's better than Tina's? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm I'm not saying it's good. (laughs) It wasn't good. And maybe it has to do with who directed Tina? Oh, I don't remember. Let me just look it up real quick. Um, Hold on, sorry. Directed by, yes. So what I was going to say is the Donna Summer musical was directed by somebody who knows how to do a jukebox musical. Okay. So, and this was not. So even if originally coming into the theater, the Donna Summer musical book was worse than the Tina book, they had a creative team who had done this shit before. They had done Jersey Boys, which is like... Oh. Oh. Yeah. So even if it wasn't great, they know how to put it together. Well, then why was it so lackluster? I mean... I mean, there's only so... (laughs) There's only so much you can craft from crap. (laughs) But Donna Summer has a good story. Mm Mm-hmm. So what the fuck happened? And I also, also, the other, one of the things that I believe happened was her estate had approval and had things they did not want included. Like, if you're going to do that, just say no. Mm -hmm. Just do a musical review at that point. Just saying. I hear you. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, enough is enough. Ooh, that number. Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I I think my mouth was like this, and I saw it twice. Twice, Kim. <laughs> Looking around, I mean, and all, all the white people like <laughs> people had a good time. You know, one of the things we saw together was uh, on your feet. <laughs> Again, these jukebox musicals. <laughs> oh. Now, were you with me when I saw Margaritaville? Was that you? I was not. You didn't tell me about it. Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, how long did Margaritaville even last? Like two months? I think longer than two months. I want to say it lasted till Tony noms. And then that weekend. I think so. Maybe not. I mean, it was. I mean, it was woo bad. <laughs> I just, why are, I don't get why books are so bad these days. I just, I don't know either. I feel like if you don't have the storyline yet, the music is not going to hold up. Like, so what? Yeah, you got good singers. You can carry a tune, but if the rest of it is trash, it's not. <laughs> it's not gonna go anywhere. That's just me. I ran from March to July. <laughs> go figure. No, I know. I I think I think the hard part is, and we don't have really musical review shows anymore. So, like that's kind of gone out of favor. But like, how do you honor someone's music on stage? Or you're like, oh, this music would make a great show. And sometimes it does. I I mean, I feel, why have musical reviews gone out of favor? I feel like if the share show was done as a musical review, would have been brilliant. They could have done it as a variety show set up. Brilliant. Um, Donna Summer could have easily been turned into a disco musical review. Easily. Like, you can't, not all shows that are jukebox are going to be like Mama Mia. You can't just set a story to it. It's going to fly. Like a book that's going to it's not always yeah. going to work with the music. It's just not. But I think I know. I had a whole period of time where I was like I can't see another black musical review. It's like these people are like these songs are great and we're black and we can really sing but who wants to tell a story? Let's just go out here and sing these songs. I mean, Motown was a struggle. I never saw Motown. You didn't? I thought you had. Girl, I worked Mm -hmm. that show. That was a struggle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I may have saw saw it opening, not opening night, but opening week. Yeah. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they tried to bring it back to Broadway and it like ran for a week. They were like, nope. No, I knew that wasn't going to last. Anyway, it's like, just whatever. No, I mean, and by the time it came back, it came back to the blackest season on Broadway. Like, who wants to see Motown? <laughs> Excuse what? me, you're talking 
What else was on Broadway then? Came back in Hamilton. Shuffle along. Oh, shuffle along. Wait, there were more color purple. Oh, that's right. All that was there. Mm -hmm. Huh. I mean, there were other shows like Allegiance and Amazing Grace had come and gone. But like it was the most colored season on Broadway. And you're going to bring this old jukebox musical back to Broadway in this season? I mean, and then they wanted to do a Michael Jackson show. And they wanted to do, I mean, they did have the Temptations up, which I heard was good. But Yeah, I people like, I haven't seen it. People love it, though. So whoever did the Temptations probably should have got with everybody else. But like, here's how you do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, isn't that person who did the Temptations doing MJ? It's the same office. At first, it wasn't. I think after they got the reviews, it probably switched to them. But at first, it wasn't. Oh, that's right. They did get a new creative team. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be a mess, and I'm probably going to be pissed when I leave, but that's okay. <laughs> That's why I liked West Side Story. I was furious. (laughs) You know, you are there for the for the train back. I do. I love the train. (laughs) You remember Urban Cowboy? No, terrible. (laughs) Goodness. No, if I know something's a train wreck, it does not get my dollars. Sorry. Not unless I get it on TDF. Then whatever. Yeah, like if I can get a TKTS ticket or a press ticket, then and it's a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. I can take a train wreck over something boring. If I if I'm gonna fall asleep in it, no. Titanic. I, I just need to go. Grand Hotel. Nine. Oh damn! Yeah, nine. I was surprised they made it into a movie. I was like, really? First of all, this is the, this is the last thing I'm saying about this topic. First of all, nine beat Dreamgirls to the Best New Musical Tony Award back in the '80s. So already nine is on the shit list. Like, really? That's better than Dreamgirls? Boring ass, boring Eston? Yeah. No. Second of all. <laughs> Have you heard? I've seen it a couple times. I worked at the whatever theater that was at at the Eugene O'Neill. Mm, okay. And there is a number where somebody comes down from the ceiling in a sheet. That's exciting. But that's it. The whole thing is like boring. And so I'm watching it like this beat Dream Girls? Yeah. No. I saw Antonio Banderas oh. and Grams from Dawson's Creek. I'm all kinds of confused. <laughs> oh, and- Grams from Dawson's Creek. Well, I was going to ask you another question, but I because I'm being stupid, and I uh, yes, uh, um, <laughs> I think this is my final question actually on this. Um, so with that said, as far as a non-musical, do you think if they did a color purple musical movie, you would think it would sustain the like effect 
or the like caliber. I mean, they have the you know original Spielberg movie, but if they did a musical version, because Hairspray as a musical movie works for the most part. Red as a musical movie worked, except it did not get good ratings. Um, so, like, what do you think? I'd see it. I think that they would have to go with instead of how it was Hollywood does Broadway, Broadway does Hollywood, right? It couldn't be that. It would have to be the revivals version and completely gritty and class conscious and color conscious. And it would have to be that version of the musical to work as a movie. And I think it would be so compelling, so compelling to do it that way. But it would have to just, it would have to be the Bentwood chairs. It would have to be, really? I mean, not that. I know. I, I mean, I would need to see some sets, but okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. No, no. But it would have to be, it, would, it shouldn't be like lush and all of that. It should just really reflect just how hard the lies were, how hard the choices were, and the ways in which people made joy and celebration um, so that that stood out instead of it being like a Hollywood musical. So you're saying it shouldn't be like set like the original Spielberg movie was, like in the shacks, in the... It should be. It should should be that. But but you know, like the rolling hills and all of of that, just like Spielberg's cinematography that's so like lush and like uh, another character in the storytelling. I don't think it should be that. I think it should be the shacks. It should be shacks. Right. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that, and I would, and I would, and I would see that I, if they did a gritty color purple movie, I would see a gritty color purple. Movie. Do you think they would keep the same cast? Yeah, actually, most of those, all the principals, Jennifer. except for maybe Harper, huh? Jennifer Hudson. I mean, you can call a cut. <laughs> I think we need to end it there. (laughs) I know. See, that's what I said. I'm like talking out of school. It's time for me to be quiet. That's time. That's the best. (laughs) Best recordings are when we do that. But yes, Jennifer Hudson. Okay. The recording artist. <laughs> I don't agree with that, but okay. What you you think Jennifer Holiday? No, you think Heather? I don't I think. Said, I don't think any of them actually. I think they need to find somebody new. Oh, oh I need. Oh well, yeah, like I would pick somebody who's like you know maybe what? a recording artist right now. I but. think Audra would be good at Shug. Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. They would have to change um, some of the orchestrations for it. No, only because her voice, her Billy was great. I think if they took Shug's singing that way, it would be it would be better for her. But I think she could do it, and that would be phenomenal. 
And she's enough of a name. People would watch that. Bad, yeah. 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 Love that. See, we should go into casting. You should go into. Oh, casting. I want. I did want to go into casting, but you got to intern, and uh, I need money. So the fellowship program. Huh? Did you see the fellowship program? They're paying. No, I didn't. Yeah, send me info. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm looking to change uh, careers right now. So I will do that and gospel at Colonus. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, okay. Yes. This was fun. Nice to talk about something not stressful for once. <laughs> it's a little stressful. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, bye. bye. Booze and Facts with Blacks is produced and edited by Christian Allen. Cocktails prepared by Kim Shaw. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at BFWB Podcast. Please like, rate, and subscribe. We obviously love booze, so please drink responsibly. 21 and up and all that jazz. Thank you for listening. See you next week.